Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We've been talking about this whole thing that the gospel from start to finish is relationship. The whole of the Bible speaks of God who created us for relationship with him and with each other and the breakdown that happens because of sin and the restoration that happens through the cross. The whole point is relationship. But we talked about this thing that for relationship to happen, there has to be a choice. If you kidnap someone and put them in a box, that's not a relationship. <laughs> if you manipulate them and they do everything you want, that's not a relationship. That's called domination control and it's sick. Um, a choice, and for a choice, you actually have to have what? You have to have two things. There has to be a cost. If it's free, it's not really a choice. And there needs to be a reward. There has to be a reason why you're choosing this. And so one of the things is that everything good, every reward, every good thing that God has for us lies on the other side of a choice. But the number one thing I've seen is what I like to call, or other people have called, the barrier of offense. The barrier of offense. What do I mean? Something happens. Anybody here gotten offended? Yes. This morning? <laughs> awesome. Great. No nudging. No, no. <laughs> He's talking about you. No, he would be. <laughs> You're apparently offended. Anybody been offended at other people's offense? <laughs> I don't get offended. I just get offended at your offense because you're pathetic. Um, <laughs> barrier of offense. The thing is, a barrier of offense. So, what are some things that cause us to be offended? Not you, somebody else to be offended. Fear. Fear? Okay, like, like what? What offends you in other people? Somebody talking about you. What else? Insecurity, judgment, trauma. Difference of opinion, but what if they're wrong? Oh, you're, oh, 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 wow. Yep, yep, yep. All right, okay. Yeah, my opinions are facts. What else? Pride, pride. What else? When other people are bullying, like judging the bully? No, just you're, you feel awful for the person So you're judging the person who's being bullied? No. I'm, I'm confused. I'm judging the bully. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yes. Yes. I get offended at bullies too. I'm with you. Sorry. I'm a little slow. What else? People make assumptions. Oh, because what happens when you assume? But even God could speak through a donkey. Anyway, what else? So, so I'll, I'll just say, we could go on all day. I'm fairly confident. Somebody different. Oh, see, this is the number one problem with marriage. It involves two different people. And one is male and one is female. What's up with that? And people are like, there's no difference between the sexes. Yeah, until you got married. People are like, I have to like, you're like, no, no. 
What is it? I, honestly, I believe it is God's, okay, stay with me, God's perverse sense of humor that he designed marriage in such a way that it only works with Jesus. <laughs> like, because you've got two radically different people, you know? And, and uh, you know, we always joke that um, women spend more time thinking about what men are thinking about than men actually do thinking. <laughs> right? You know, and it's like, it's like, I know what he's thinking. No, you don't. Because he's not. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Nothing. No, you're lying to me. No, really, I'm not thinking. Like, like, like what could go wrong? That's okay, I'll think for both of us. Um, <laughs> what, what I want to say is, is that uh, God designed us you know, people, I love it. Like the, the most terrifying thing is people who walk into a rise and go, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Everybody's wonderful. Listen, even if they're wonderful, they're different than you. And give them four seconds, you'll get offended. And actually I look at people and I'm like, oh, please get offended quickly. No, because the longer you don't get offended, the more out of, out of uh, touch your expectations of our awesomeness will become. <laughs> it's like, please get offended quickly. I don't know what. I'll, do, I'll just offend you for fun. Um, but what I want to say to you this, I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to walk through a passage in a minute. If you want to find it, it's John chapter 6. We're going to be going through a passage and looking at this because if you, I submit to you throughout all of scripture, you see this consistently that God places the best stuff on the other side of a barrier of offense. Anybody here received a word from somebody you don't like that turned out to be from Jesus? Oh, you don't get the right to give me that. You are different. You are X, you are Y, whatever it is. On the other side of the barrier of offense. So what I want you to do, just theoretically find a possible offense that may lurk in your heart. Okay, actually find the biggest one. How can you tell it's offense? Now people are like, yeah, but it's a justified judgment. Anybody, anybody? No, am I the only one? I like anybody, listen, if you have to justify your judgment, it's probably an offense. An offense carries with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't put lipstick on a pig. Just call it what it is. Grab that offense because I'm going to promise you on the other side of that, God has something amazing. Something amazing lies on the other side of that. And we're going to get there today. Okay. All right. Whoo, Jesus. All right. So we're going to go through, we're just going to start and I'm going to put on your track shoes. We're going to race through. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to stay within John chapter uh, six. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. That's helpful. Thank you. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed while healing the sick. Then Jesus went on a, up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover was near. Anybody read the Bible and a bunch of words go by and no information actually enters your brain? <laughs> You're my people. Listen, I call that like a bald spot. Men, it's like a bald spot on the alternator. You know, you crank it and nothing happens. Like, 
Like there's, you know, there should be something happening, but nothing's happening. When you find a bald spot in scripture where there should be something happening, but nothing's happening, stop. That's actually a barrier of offense. If you'll stop, I find that nine times out of 10, probably 10 out of 10, God has something powerful for me in that bald spot of scripture, in that blank spot. If I'll stop, anybody here, like the Lord took me back to uh, the Beatitudes the other day. I'm like, no, Jesus, not there. I've read it too many times, right? There can't be anything new. <laughs> Tell that to the God of the universe. Anyway, so, so there's a bunch of words. How can we get at what's going on? What do we do? We ask questions, right? So what kind of questions? We can ask. We ask questions because they're going to give us the answers. So the first question is, what's the when in this passage? After this. Well, that's helpful. After this. After what? Well, no, it says the Jewish Passover is in the future, right? That's one indicator. But what, what is it after? You got to read before. Oh, see, I'm sending you home with homework. All right. So I'll just give you a, I'll give you a hint. He has been going around healing the sick, raising the dead, doing what Jesus does, doing what we now do. He's doing the stuff. We also had in four, remember the Samaritan woman, right? He, he's going, he's invading society with the gospel and people are beginning to follow him. So after this, Jesus crossed and it says, and it's the Jewish Passover was near. Does that feel weird? Random? Okay, randomness is another sign God's speaking. Anybody found that randomness is somebody, you're like, oh, that was random. Like today was so funny. Today's Cody's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Cody. And so I, I, I called and left him a message to wish him a happy birthday. And when I got done, my phone automatically, this might be freaky, but it's, a, it's an iPhone, uh, went and started playing Cody's music, a particular song, which I haven't listened to in at least a month. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I took a picture of it and sent it. He said, well, you know what's so funny is that song is actually in the set for Ascend. Random is one of God's ways of going, woohoo, right? So if something seems random, you can ask some questions. So just put a pin in that. The Jewish Passover festival was near. What was the Passover? It's where they celebrated coming out of Egypt, right? And they ate the unleavened bread and the wine, like we celebrate in communion. All right. What about where? Where does it happen? <laughs> Before, okay, it happened. He was crossing the, to the far side of the shore of Galilee. And then later on, he's on a mountainside. So here's the Sea of Galilee. If you have never seen a map of Israel, there you go. Galilee is the green area there on the left. And then the Sea of Galilee is right there in the middle. And the reason it's called the Sea of Tiberias is Tiberias was on it. Jesus located his ministry primarily in that, primarily in that city of Capernaum on the top. That's where he did most of his ministry. And it said he crossed to the other side of the lake, right? So here we go, Cavernum, and he crossed over. What we understand from this is he crossed over to the plain of, uh, we find out late, later in other passages, he, he comes over about five miles across this lake. Now, we say Sea of Galilee, but it's a lake. It's eight miles wide, 13 miles long, except for one thing. It has perhaps the most violent weather of any body of water outside of an ocean. 
it has the it has these winds that come down and whip it up to the point of zero visibility violence huge waves on a little lake and so here he crosses over five miles but but on a clear day you can actually see it from capernaum he's just tootling across on the boat right i i can see christoph my sailor is is <laughs> i could get a boat on that ah uh, so so they're coming across but the people are coming around they're following him around to the other side. Who's the who? Who's the who in here? The crowd of people. There's a crowd of people. What crowd of people? They're Jewish people. What does this passage tell us? Who, which people? The disciples are in there. There's also a crowd of people. There's disciples. What, what kind of crowd? Why is the crowd following him? Because he's doing signs and he's performing and he's healing the sick, right? So they're following him because he's healing the sick. All right, what? What happened? These are the verbs. He crossed over, they're following, he's healing the sick, and Jesus then uh, went up on a mountainside and sat down by, with his disciples. So he's on the other side of the lake, he's up on a mountainside in the middle of nowhere, and this crowd is following. What happens next is he does what Jesus does. He heals everybody, he teaches, nobody understands anything, and then he looks at the disciples and goes, we gotta eat. And the disciples go, what? What happens? The miracle happens. He, the 5,000 are fed. And I love this phrase. Everybody had as much as they wanted. Amen. Wow. Man, this is a good deal, right? This is like, this is like a great health care. Yeah. You know, you know, you know I'm, I'm getting my needs met on every level. Who doesn't want that? Right? So, so there is what? There is a massive reward. There's a massive reward. Now, they've made a little bit of choice, right? They follow him around. And then it says this. It says, after the people saw the sign. What sign? The bread. The bread. Making 5,000. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who is coming to the world, the Messiah, the one who's to come, you know, make, in other words, overthrow the Romans and, and uh, give us all free bread and uh, health care. Jesus, knowing what they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountainside by himself. So he goes further up the mountain, and at the same time, he sends the disciples across, back across the lake. Remember, it was easy peasy going. On the way back, the storm comes up, zero visibility. Professional sailors are fearing for their lives, and Jesus decides to go for a walk. He walks across. Hey guys, what you doing? Need a hand? hops into the boat, and as soon as Jesus gets into the boat, they get there. That alone could preach. As soon as Jesus got into the boat, anybody here been straining at the oars? Jesus, you told me to do this. I'm doing this for you. Ann was telling us, right? On mission. I'm for you, Jesus. Aren't you pleased? Can I get in the boat? No. And they get to the other side. All right, so he's back home in Capernaum. Now, where is the place where people like you the best? Oh, right. <laughs> we'll just leave that there. All right, so he comes back to Capernaum to the other side. All right, now I'm going to hand it back to Maggie. The next day, the crowd that has stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there. They're really smart people. Where did I do one? There I am. Lost my Bible. They realized that only one boat had been there. 
had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they, that had, they had gone away alone. So they're all trying to figure out where's Jesus. Always a good question to ask, by the way. Where's Jesus? Jesus is lost. All right. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had given bread, eaten the bread. So they're all just wandering around. So remember, they didn't have food the night before, and he had to feed them. Now they're really without food. Anybody here been hangry and therefore dumb? So we got a hangry crowd. What could go wrong? Then, uh, and he said, once the crowds realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there and they weren't getting any food, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Looking for Jesus, is that a bad thing? I would submit to you, every single one of us looks for Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Can I be real? I mean, I know we were just on our knees saying, I just want you, but you didn't get to the point where you just want him, except that you got lured <laughs> by looking for him for solutions to life. Is that okay? Okay, good. All right. When they, so it's easy to judge them, but then we be them. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now they're asking a question, right? That's a good question. What they're really asking is, how did you get here, right? And you know how Jesus always cuts through your question to the real question? And Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Offense. Cost. There's a barrier of offense that's starting to build. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has a place, his seal of approval. Now, what happens when God says something you don't understand? Ask questions. He said, do not work for food that's spoiled. So they say, uh, what must we do to do the works God requires? Sort of a good question, kind of a little squirrely. It sounds like they're trying to be religious, but it, it works. And Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. In every situation, the work of God is to believe in the one he sent. What does that mean? To trust in him. Lean not on your own understanding. Jesus. Jesus. I said this last week. Our goal is not to make you dependent on us, but to make you dependent on Jesus. You get Jesus every day of the week. You don't get me hardly at all. And that's probably good. You can pray for Masha. So they asked him again. They, so he said something. So they're asking questions. This is good. They asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What is wrong with that statement? Well, what can you do for me? But what has Jesus just been doing nonstop? The verse one said he'd been doing signs. 5,000 fed, signs, people healed, signs. So Jesus, 
Okay, so uh, what will you do for us? If you're looking for uh, um, some ideas, I've got a few. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat, dot, 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 every day. Yeah. See where this is going? Yeah. Are they there for Jesus? Listen, God will lure you with the bread, but there has to be a transition to him. Amen. And that transition point is offense. It is offense. I, somebody said, this is so encouraging. I, I, I've said it, but I'll say it again. You are going to get offended today in the next 50 minutes. You're going to get offended many times. That's not a problem. It's a sign of goodness waiting for you. On the other side of offense is what you long for. Amen. We can't get offended at offense. <laughs> We've got to climb the fence. Amen. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread of, from heaven. It is my father. Already they're like, whose father? My daddy. My father who gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. <laughs> Sir, they said, always give us that bread. <sighs> then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Okay, boys and girls, where else did he say that almost exactly phrase. Anybody remember? The Samaritan woman. Remember? He was like, listen, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for water and I'd give you water and you'd never thirst again. And she's like, yes, please. Right? Just the exact same. Up to this point, the Samaritan woman and the crowds are in the exact same place. And how you and I navigate the next step is the difference between life and death. Because what does the Samaritan woman do? Because the next thing Jesus says to the Samaritan woman go, says, oh, well then, go get your husband. <laughs> and he pokes her in the deepest pain and shame of her life. Offense to 11. And in that moment, she has a choice. Either go, forget you. <laughs> or what does she do? She bellies up to the bar. She, every offense Jesus lays down, she climbs over. She's like, what else you got? What else you got? Oh, I'm not easily so easily put off. I can tell you were a prophet. He said, I'm more than that, but a girlfriend. <laughs> every step of the way, she's climbing over. And what does she get in return? The very first moment when God with skin on says, I am he. She is the first person who ever gets the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Why? Because offense to her was nothing but offense to climb over. So let's find out how the crowds do, shall we? Some people have a bad feeling about this. But as I've told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe, you do not trust. What's happening to the offense? Right? It's going up, cranking it up. All of the, he said, all, why? What the fence does is it reveals to me that there is something I do not understand. There is something I do not grasp. 
Offense is our minds and hearts are offended when something happens that is out of keeping with our expectation. And God offends us because anybody know your understanding, yours and my understanding expectations are skewed? And the only way you find out about them is what? Offense. <laughs> Offense. A parent. You ever had a child that you're not having a very good day with and uh, you're not thinking very well of? And then out of their mouth comes the word of the Lord. <laughs> Daddy, don't speed. You don't get to tell me. <laughs> Disobedient child. <laughs> yep, there you go. All right. All, he said, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Eternal life begins now. The minute we gaze on Jesus, everything shifts. The minute we say, what you say matters more than all of these. When we say, not my will, but your will be done. God, what do you want to do in this situation? Everything shifts and the power of God invades our lives and flows through us to a world that's dying. To a guy who's limping with a cane, right? To a guy who's, man, all right, I'm getting there. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him. Why did they grumble? Because they didn't get Because <laughs> they're hangry. <laughs> Let's be real, right? <sighs> he said, they began to grumble at him. He said, I, because he said, I am the bread of heaven that has come, uh, the bread that has come down from heaven. Okay, can we be real? That's weird. Can we be real? That's, take off your Christianese eyeballs. If I walk up and said, I'm the bread, I just came down out of heaven. Is that weird? Yeah. God uses weird to offend our minds to reach our hearts. But if we don't climb over it, if we get all, ooh, that is so deep and spiritual, we will miss it. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? Now, that's actually a really good question. Did they ask Jesus, though? Anybody here had a really good question, then you dialogued with the devil instead? I'm going to leave that right there. And I love this. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves. What's funny is, is I realized this. That phrase, stop grumbling, it's actually the very phrase that is used in the Bible to talk about the people who got mad about only having manna and grumbled against the Lord. So he's like, guys, the problem is not bread. He's trying to what? Offend them more. What is wrong with this guy? He said, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. They're like, oh, you think you're all that? Yes, I do. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he who has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
One of the most offensive things about the gospel is there's only one way. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. And if you are looking for other ways, you will be always offended at Jesus until you see what Jesus has to offer, right? The offense, the offense, the offense, but the reward, the reward is he is the bread of life. Why does he call himself the bread of life? Why do we take communion, that bread? Because when you consume it, it becomes life to you. It becomes power. It fills you. It, it becomes, you know, the bread actually becomes part of you. You become one with the bread in the same way that when we receive him, we become one with him. And he is our life. He said, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet died. I'm pretty sure there was a pregnant pause. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread, in case you thought I stuttered, that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. At which point, Bonnie's like, I knew this was a cannibal cult. Seriously, take off your Christianese eyes for a minute. Eat my flesh. There's like no other way to read that. Like, like it's bad enough that he thinks he's a loaf of wonder bread. Now he wants us to take a bite out of him. What is wrong with this guy? But listen, if the Samaritan woman was here, you know what she'd be doing? Okay, okay, uh, okay, uh, uh, where do I start? We, a, a, a leg or a thigh? I don't know. Like, I, like, no, no. This is why unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the child goes, I don't understand. That's weird. Okay. okay. I, I trust you. Okay, up to this point, what had Jesus done? He had taught with wisdom that they said they were amazed at. He had done signs and wonders full bore like nobody ever before, right? There's a massive amount of evidence that he's a pretty cool dude. He says one wackadoodle thing. And let's see what happens, shall we? Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. Offense leads to grumble leads to argue, leads to. They said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? If they had asked him that question, it would have been a good question. Do you guys remember Mary and Zechariah? They both had the exact same situation. An angel showed up and said, you're about to have a baby. Both of them said, how can this be? Mary, though, leaned in with faith. Zechariah stepped back with skepticism. It's the exact same thing. You're asking the right question, but are you asking it with the eyes of faith? Are you asking with hunger? Are you asking with vulnerability? Are you asking for an answer? Are you asking to judge and be right in your own judgment of him? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless he mean, he's not letting them go. Like he's like, no, I am the bread of life. And by the way, take a bite. He said, and they're like, we're still freaked out. He said, oh, we'll get, we'll make it worse. Very, listen, Jesus does not play fair. If you're looking for a gentleman and a sweetie, he ain't it. 
He will offend you in the core of your deepest pain and the deepest place of slavery and the deepest place of your own judgments. Why? Because he loves you enough to rip you out of the slavery you're in. But we have built idols. We have built altars to our sensibilities, to our own way of thinking. We have built altars to our own addictions, to our own ways. I want you to survive. We'll get there. Don't worry. I got more bullets in the gun. He said, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, I didn't stutter, uh, you, you have no life in him, in you. Listen, you have no life in you apart from Jesus. Uh, oh, it gets even better. And drink his blood? So it's a cannibal and vampire cult. Great. Man, you should have seen the Capernaum Inquirer the next day. It was amazing. In this moment, everybody who's been looking for an excuse to get off the island is about to get off the island. But the hungry get fed. For he said, why? Whoever eats my flesh. I mean, he's just not letting up. I mean, come on. He doesn't put it in quotes, like air quotes. Like, no. Listen, they don't have any background. Like, they were told, don't drink the blood. Like, you get killed if you drink the blood. And he's like, drink it. They're like, we weren't supposed to drink blood of goats, let alone. I mean, seriously. But what's happened? He has been displaying for months, even years, who he is. That he is good. That he is full of love for all mankind. And yet, when he begins to offend their sensibilities, they walk away from everything he's shown them. Have you, anybody here, you have known God to be good, known him to be loving, known him to be kind, known him to be for you, and then something happens in your life and you go, he's never been God, he hates me. <laughs> Three of us? Two, four, okay. I see that hand, I see that hand. Go on once, go on twice. We cannot allow what we do not understand to rob us of what we paid a price to understand. For my flesh is real food. <laughs> it's like he's selling a diet program. And my blood is real drink. In other words, what he's saying is using a philosophical term. This is the real stuff. This is what you've always longed for. I am everything. Jesus is either everything or he's nothing. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I remain in them. This is getting weirder and weirder. But in fact, he is advertising the greatest reward of all. Life, eternal life that begins now. Life of being welcomed into the Holy Trinity. Being welcomed into the life of God. We are made one with Christ and therefore one in the Trinity. All the power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Like this is like the best deal ever. But the offense is that great. The size of the offense is directly related to the size of the reward. Spouses. <laughs> Parents. Friends. Everybody else. <laughs> uh, whoever, okay. Just as the living father 
sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. If you are living your life and it's dead, if you're living your life and it's not working, if you're living your life, even manna was from heaven and they still died. Because when we take the gift of God and use it for ourselves, we die. You cannot enjoy the gift of God apart from God who is the gift himself. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. He said that at the beginning, he says at the end. Why do you think he repeats himself? Because he said it to the hometown crowd. At church. At church. Now I had air quotes. And I wasn't asking you to actually bite me. He said this to the people who had seen the most and therefore had the most opportunity to belly up to the bar. And what happens? On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? A good question. But who are they talking to? <laughs> Anybody here decided to regale your offense with a friend and you both become twice as offended? Here's the reasons why I'm ticked off. Oh, you should be. Oh, no, you're not ticked off enough. Let me help you. <laughs> aware, aware that his disciples were grumbling. Now, this is disciples. He has many disciples at this point. He has not selected the 12. He has many disciples, just like there are many people in this room. And Jesus said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> Then, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Go back up to heaven. He's just, why is he cranking it to 11? Because the reward is 12. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit of life. Yet there are some of you who don't believe, don't trust. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray them. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time, many of his disciples, people who, who sacrificed everything to walk with him, walked away. I don't know about you, but my life is actually has a whole bunch of areas of wreckage where I walked away because of offense. I walked away against offense in relationships Offense at ministries, offense at you, offense. At, my life is full of blaming other people. My life is full of these things. And as long as I keep this place where other people are powerful and I don't get to make choices and where I will never taste the fruit of the kingdom, which is life. And he turns around and he said, you don't want to leave too, do you? He said to the 12, this is the first time he calls them the 12. My personal opinion, that's how he found the 12. Because they were the only ones left. And he looks at him and he goes, you don't want to leave too, do you? Like he's not, like can't you just take a win? You got 12. Like he's like, you don't want to leave too, don't you? You do, you do. I know, I can say it. And they're like, 
Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, here's the deal. Offense is this point where the eyes of the spirit can see something that the eyes of the flesh can't. And that disconnect is the bridge that will carry you over the fence. Jesus, show me. So when you and I are staring at an offense, if we'll say, Jesus, give me eyes to see. Show me what you see. What do you see good in this person? What do you see good in this situation? Everything shifts in that moment because they're sitting there going, our minds don't make sense. And the reality is the sad part is nobody's smart. None of the disciples seem particularly smart. I hate to tell you this. Jesus said in another way, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When we have it, when we are trusting in our minds, we're trusting in all these things, we will miss God when he's right in front of us because our minds will get us offended and step out of faith. And he said, who shall we go to? You have the words of life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. All right. You got your offense ready? So here's the thing. You have a great reward waiting for you on the other side of that offense. Um. I was just kind of thinking about all of this and talking with Jesus, and he was saying to me that unless I keep working on my heart and keep dealing with offense, it's very quickly that my heart becomes um, hard and rigid and brittle, right, in my opinions and my judgments. And he said, unless you work on your heart, on your, heart your daughter might step into something that will be me right, or your granddaughter, and you will not see it. You will miss it because it will look different. It will just, generations will move on. So there is a fence or fence, right? I, I feel like a fence or all fence is pretty much the same thing, right? We put a fence around something that's valuable, right? We put a fence around our house, like around the Fort Knox, there's a huge fence, right? Whatever, whatever the... Um, the more valuable, the, the higher the fans. And it's the same with the old fans, right? So, unless we keep transitioning, right? And dealing with those offenses, every, every single thing that's different is gonna, is gonna require us to step over, right? Culturally, right? Uh, all, who are all my Slavic people, right? Especially like you guys grew up here mostly, but like coming out from the other culture, right? You have to step over the culture barrier, right? Every time you do something, you have to step over. Racial barrier, you have to step over, right? Age barrier, you have to step over. Gender barrier, you have to step over because it's different, Come on. right? Every time you go into a different um, church culture, you have to step over. Like there is a barrier, right? Scott, Scott, thought, I was, Scott thought I was the children's pastor, <laughs> which was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> which we, I love that. <laughs> the highest compliment. So, but there is a barrier, right? There is a barrier in our minds that we're going to have to keep transitioning right, in dealing with our hearts, lest it becomes hard and rigid and we cannot process, right, and we will miss what the Lord is doing, right, we can be waiting for revival 
and then it shows up in a different form from what we expected and we have spent our whole life right like with your parents can i say i mean they okay anyways so anyways <laughs> okay i'm not gonna go there um but it's just like the generation from generation if you do not transition and if you do not keep your heart free from offense you will not be able to see it when it's right in front of you right they waited for messiah <clears throat> generations of them have waited all of those people who were there offended right and who left they were praying and seeking god and wanting this so much right they were all waiting but when he showed up he showed up so different that they could not process look at the man at the pool of bethsaida how many people were lying there ill mm -hmm. only one got it mm -hmm. look at the woman with a flow of blood god surround jesus is surrounded by people in need only she got it mm -hmm. there's nobody else on your island but you you get mm -hmm. to choose and I, i'm like i'm speaking and thinking about this for myself first and for because i know how easy it is to build those grids and how easy it is to say well they're right they're wrong right wrong and just build this um things that then my heart is hardened right and i cannot see so if you could grab your offense <laughs> don't grab their hand <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you could take your offense, just you, nobody else, take your offense, and I want you to bring it before the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me for making myself judge, jury, and executioner here. Forgive me for making myself Lord and the one arbiter of truth here. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, I repent of my offense, and I ask you, what do you say? What is the person's value here? What is, what is the goal? What is the reward that lies on the other side of this offense that this fence has been keeping me from? Lord, what is it that you are holding out to me? Show it to me. Show it to me. For the joy set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. Man, an offense is a death. When we die to offense, that's when we begin to live. Um, literally the whole areas of kingdom can be shut down to us because of offense. Like, um, I really know that for me in this season with so many, uh, prophets going off the wall and giving wild prophetic words that didn't come to pass. I, I really struggled in my heart with judging the prophetic, but because of that judgment, then a lot of that stuff, I can't really receive very well. Right. So I have to repent. <laughs> Okay, being vulnerable here. I repent for judging the prophets. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I repent. Um, some of us are offended like at healing evangelists and the whole healing is shut down for you because, because of that offense. Like some, a whole area can be shut down. I feel like some, you're offended by the wealthy. You're mm -hmm. offended by those who are prospering mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and it's reaping poverty for mm -hmm. you. So whatever, whatever that offense is, is like that barrier that's not letting you expand in your life. So as, as Holy Spirit is highlighting, just get addicted to releasing. Just say, Jesus, I just release offense. I release offense um, against the previous generation. I, get, I release um, offense against the young people, the old people, the Men, green women. people, the blue people, <laughs> the whatever people. <laughs> just, just, start, just start releasing them. And the more we release, the more a real estate there is freed up in our hearts. Come on. I, 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 I renounce offense at, at leaders. Mm -hmm. 
I, I renounce uh, offense at, at men, women, children. I renounce, Lord, I don't want anything to keep me from what you have for me. Nothing, nothing. You have the bread of life. You are the bread of life. You speak a better word over every situation. And I will not allow my judgment to be the final word on any of these situations. If we could have the worship team yeah. come. As we go into worship, I just believe that as you just close your eyes and just ask Holy Spirit to highlight areas that he wants to, he's probably already been pinpointed, but just start, just start repenting and giving him the offense and just say, what do you say, Jesus? What do you say? And I believe that he's just going to start rewriting things for us. Yeah. Come on, let's stand. Father, whoo, Lord, leave no stone unturned. Leave no place in our heart that you're not able to speak a better word.